Hey, this is Corey Wong. If you are interested in guitar players, if you're interested in artists and how they think, why they create, what it is that motivates them to create, come check out my podcast, Wong Notes Podcast, where I get to interview some of my absolute heroes, people like John Mayer, Niall Rogers, Jacob Collier, Madison Cunningham, Benson, Vi, Santana, Satriani, Lukather, Matheny. Oh, the names are insane icons of the guitar, icons of artistry and creativity. I absolutely love sitting down with these musicians and getting to ask them about their creative process and get into the details of why they do what they do. Check it out, Wong Notes. Listen now, wherever you get podcasts. All right, welcome back to our, our final episode of Chasing Frets for this week. My name is Jason Shadrick, and I'm here with Andy Ellis. Hello. And uh, we've had such a good time talking to Kim Perlack. Um, she's the head of the guitar department at Berkeley. And as I reached out to her to talk about, I said, why don't we do a, 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 an episode on one of your favorite guitar players? Because we've done this before with uh, with Joey, and we talked about Lowell George, and that was that was super fun. And with Lindsay L, we talked about Derek Trucks, and and immediately she comes back, and it kind of like froze me in my tracks. She goes, "Yeah, let's let's talk about why you should be your own favorite guitar player." Mm. And I I was driving when I was talking to her, and I was like, <laughs> "Oh, I didn't quite pull over, right? I didn't quite pull over, but I it, it definitely made me think. Like, of course, it, yeah. you should be your own favorite guitar player. It's a concept, and it's it's deep, but she makes it fascinating to consider. Yeah. yeah, because that to me is what I think keeps us all. Like you said, we're lifers. Mm-hmm. We're whether this is our job or not, Andy. Mm-hmm. You and I are doing this, you know, till they cart they, us off. Yeah, basically, exactly. Yeah. And <laughs> and becoming your own favorite guitar player, I think, also helps you develop your own sound, develop your own identity. And mm-hmm. when you talk about those guitar players that you can recognize from one note, like mm-hmm. this is what we're talking about. Yeah. You know, yeah. I'm sure BB King was BB King's favorite guitar player. Mm-hmm. You know, now whether they would admit it or not, that's a matter of, of ego and whatever. But having that mindset can be so helpful when you're yeah. developing your sound. Yeah. So uh, if you want to hit us up, you can reach us at chasingfrets at premierguitar.com. But let's wrap up this week uh, with Kim Perlack. The Atlanta Institute of Music and Media's Music and Technology program offers a unique degree, combining the skill sets of music production with focuses in guitar, bass, keys, drums, and vocals. Find out more at AIMM.edu. All right, Kim, so when we were talking ahead of time to kind of decide on what topics we wanted to land on, I threw out the idea of maybe doing one on one of your favorite guitar players, and I know we recently lost Julian Bream, uh, we had Jason Vio write a really cool remembrance piece uh, for us. But you you came up with this angle that I have, since we've had that conversation, I have actually referenced in other episodes, and that is how you should be your favorite, your, your favorite guitar player should be you. And as soon as you said that, like, it clicked. It's like, of course it should. Like, how, how I can't see it any other way now. So... Tell me, unpack that a little bit for me. What's what's your kind of view of that, how your favorite guitar player should be you? Yes, I mean, I completely agree with that idea. And I have to give credit 
to my Berkeley colleagues, again, who have taught me so much in the last seven years, and in particular, uh, Professor David Tronzo, who was the first person I heard say that to students. And I think about it all the time, because if you follow that through, if your favorite guitar player is you, what does that mean for you? It means that now you are responsible to live up to that. So what do you want to sound like? What do you have to be practicing? What, how do you need to be taking care of yourself? How do you need to be aware of the way you do everything and what you do? And, and I think it also takes the pressure off. You're not living up to someone else's legacy. You're building your own. And so curiosity now can take the place of fear or pressure. And you just, you want something, you want to know something. It's way easier to talk to someone who's an expert if you're saying, okay, I would like to learn about what you do, as opposed to, I want to see if I can copy you. I want to see what you think of my playing. What if instead you're thinking of, well, I'm building myself. So what does this teacher or player have that they can show me to do that, to get to the next level of that? So I think it flips that, that script that a lot of young players especially have. And then you start to think about what do I want to sound like and what do I need to be able to do and play to sound like that? It also brings us to this interesting paradox because in one of our earlier episodes this week, we talked about, and especially you, Kim, brought up this idea of go deep and keep an open mind, learn as much as you can, all the tools. Why would you put, why would you turn your back on a tool? Something to that effect. And yet, at the same time, we, we don't want to have so many colors in our sound that it turns into mud. Do you remember being in kindergarten and getting the finger paints and you're just like, oh, I love red, I love red. Oh, and green and blue. Oh, yeah, and, and, and I'll put this together. And then all of a sudden you've got this muddy color, you know, and there's no color there anymore because there's so much color. And, and I've been playing guitar now more than half a century and I've seen so many trends come and so many different oh we're going to do guitar synth oh, that's going to be the big thing and then you know no no I'm really into acoustic 12 string guitar right now this is really what I want and so the paradox to me that I'm trying to get at which I haven't articulated to myself yet is that how do you keep an open mind and go deep at the same time know what to pare away from all the noise of everything that you could potentially be doing and instead get to that distillation of what's really in your sound? How do you balance those two things? That's a really interesting question. And I think it goes to the heart of this idea is that can you be comfortable with who you are on the guitar? You're not everything. No one is everything. No one is everything you hear. And I think if you really think about who you are and what you really want to play, it's not every single thing. 
there might be a part of you that hears something and says like, oh, that's so cool. I, I want it. That would be great if I could do that. But do you really do that? Do you know what your sound is? And are you comfortable with that? And that brings up something that really isn't musical. Like you have to, there's a journey of self-acceptance as you start to develop your own sound. And you have to accept who you are and go deeply into building that. And then you can have other influences come in. I think it's a matter of really accepting that. If you think of people who you think of as a master and you think, okay, well, that person's a master. And then you start to list everything that's possible on the guitar, every single thing, everything. And you say like, can they, is there the heart of who they are? Is that every single thing? Or is it something really deep and unique to them and valuable? And I think you'll see it's the second one, right? So I think part of being your own favorite guitar player is not feeling like you have to follow every trend or every development. It's to say, how do I truly develop the player that I am? And also push yourself. It's not a cop-out to not leave your comfort zone. In fact, you're going to be pushed farther out of your comfort zone by doing this than you can imagine. And that's, that's right. That's right. Um, I think that that's where it lies. You know, that's where you could become an innovator and become your own player is by knowing who you are and embracing that and then really working hard and studying in that way, if that makes sense. Yeah, and, and when you were describing that, it made me also think that a digression of even several years can be very valuable if you take that digression and then discover by going deep into it, then discover, well, okay, I explored it, but it's not really the essential me, the distillation. I mean, if we're going to play all our lives, we hope that we have many decades to do this, let's not be afraid to pick up the banjo for a while to see what open G might be like on a different instrument. And I'm being, I'm exaggerating a little bit about <laughs> picking up the banjo. Right. Yeah. I, I think that that's fair to say. I mean, I think at Berkeley in the curriculum, you certainly can do that. You can go and take labs and ensembles in different styles mm -hmm. and see what you think. I, when I came as assistant chair, I was the first non-jazz guitarist to hold that position. And so one of the I was also younger than a lot of the faculty and um, I was the first woman that was in that role. And I thought, you know, I'm gonna get to know people by taking lessons. I'm gonna take my guitar around to different faculty and take some lessons. And I loved it, it was great. And, and um, at one point, Rick Peckham, who had been my predecessor in that role, he's an amazing jazz player. He saw me working on something really different for me. And he said, you know, you can do that as much as you want, but you don't have to do it because we have someone for that. You know, you can be you. You just go be you. Don't worry. You don't have to be anybody else. You can go as wide and as deep as you want because there is someone else who's doing that other thing. And then I thought, you know, he said that meaning at Berkeley. And I thought, well, that's true in life. Oh, yeah. That, you know, who am I going to be? And then what am I going to um, take and learn from other people and learn from my tradition to be the player that I want to be. And I, I think that that's the healthiest way for everyone. And then when you do that, it does 
bring up things for you that, you know, that are, that, you know, everyone goes through. I am so fascinated when I hear established working professional guitar players talk about taking lessons. So tell me more about the, the lessons you took and what you learned <laughs> from those. I'm so interested. Okay, well, in the very beginning, the person I took off with first for a short time was your old teacher, Andy, Mick Goodrick. And um, Mick was fascinated with what I did because I, at the time, really was not an improviser. And he had studied a lot of classical guitar, too. So uh, we also both were visual artists. And he had experimented with a pedagogy called drawing on the right side of the brain, where you draw representational objects upside down and then you play. So we had like a drone going in the room. We had guitars set up and we would draw and then we would improvise. And it was, it was fun. We listened to records together and talked about them. And then one day coming out of that, I ran into David Tronzo, who was in the office next door. And he said, Hey, you know, would you ever do a lesson with me? And I was thinking, wow, I'm so glad he asked because I really would love a lesson with him. And those lessons ended up going on every week and they turned into a duo. And now we write curriculum together and we've been playing every week together and learning for each other for the last six years. And it was, I mean, those lessons are hard, you know, like I would leave those lessons sometimes and I would think like, okay, I don't I got nothing. You know, he would show me something. So, oh yeah. And then you take this and then you go like this and you do this other thing. And then I, and I would just look at him like, am I on another planet? Like, did I, and I would look at the guitar, like he had betrayed me, you know, and then I would go home and sometimes I would cry and then I would like, okay, okay, I can do this. And, and, you know, I was showing him a lot of technical right hand stuff and we were writing music together and, we really put each other through, you know, like you want to be a serious student of what we're teaching. We really went to that place. And one of the things I guess I should have thought about that became incredibly clear to me was what an impact that had on our students, because we started playing in the faculty concerts together and we we're so different stylistically. You know, when we first got up there, um, David introduced us one time in a concert and he said, um, well, we've been writing some music together for our duo. And there's a voice came out of the audience and said, really? <laughs> <laughs> and, and so, uh, you know, but they knew, they could tell that we weren't just putting our styles on top of each other. They could tell that we were really going deep and coming yeah. way out of our comfort zone to do this. And so they started doing it. And so mm. I feel like, when a student says to me that they feel vulnerable and they feel insecure and they feel like they don't know what they're doing, I'm not remembering how I felt 20 years ago. Uh, I felt that way yesterday. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm like, yeah, I was in my lesson on Thursday and I felt that same way. And I think in order for me, I think it's an essential part of being a musician is to keep learning. Uh, that's uh, one uh, kind of mantra Andy and I have been throwing around for like the last decade as we've been working at Premier Guitar is that we're getting the best education money cannot buy because it's it's our job to talk to guitar players and pull out these nuggets. But even the lessons I edit, like if there's ever a, a thing I want to learn about, whether it's hybrid picking or 
bebop or whatever, I track down a teacher who I know who can teach that, and I hire him to write a lesson. And in a way, that's like me editing that lesson. You know, nobody nobody gets more out of those lessons than me and the author, or whoever yeah. edits that thing, because because I'm I'm so deep into it, and I can totally relate with you. You know, getting with with Tronzo or anybody else, and like coming away like, oh my gosh, like it's it's so incredible to even after all these years playing guitar to still be inspired and want to keep pushing towards whatever we're pushing towards. You know, I agree, and I think that's just also the culture of our department at Berkeley. Cheryl Bailey works with John Wheatley in that way. Rick Peckham studied with Guy Van Duzer. Really? Kurt Schumann mm. studied with Lyle Brewer. Um, I love Lyle. Lyle's or, no, great. I mean, other way. Lyle studies oh. with Kurt and they play together. Um, Lyle's a great player. Amazing. Um, we've got um, Larry Bayonne is always working with Jim Kelly. Jim Kelly's working with Berta Rojas. You know, all of these, if you look up their styles, you're like, wow, those people are so different. And, and you have like young faculty working with older faculty and, and um, people from different styles working together. And I think when students see that, it helps them feel like, okay, I could come out of my comfort zone if I want to. Mm -hmm. You know, I could try that. Like, look, my teacher's doing it, right? And so that's the best way to learn. And then the more you know yourself, the more you'll know to answer your previous question about the colors. You can keep all the colors that you choose you might not have every single color in the world but you'll have the really great ones and they won't be muddy if you really are aware of who you are and what you're borrowing and what you're making your own and uh you know it's a it's like a I, we say all the time like some of this stuff sounds philosophical and it's not it's completely practical yeah you know, it's really, really practical in your life for your life. And so if I think if players can come and be in our environment or even listen to us talk and realize, take a deep breath, this is your life's journey to learn this. And then at any given time, you want to be as expressive as possible in your way with the tools that you have then that's a lot of pressure off. Yeah. Wow. Well, it's been such an inspiring week to have you, Kim, and and just always fun to catch up with you and, and hang a bit. Thanks for joining us. Oh, thank you so much. It's been my pleasure. Mm-hmm.